If you are a teacher, parent, administrator, student, and or anyone who loves reconnecting children with nature, and you want to figure out how to cultivate learning gardens and nature-based curriculum, then this is the podcast, the Outdoor Classrooms Podcast. My name is Victoria Hackett. I am the founder of OutdoorClassrooms.com and the Secret Gardens Nature Classes. I love witnessing the magic that happens when children are playfully learning outdoors, observing the return of wonder and curiosity. Curiosity when children are interacting with nature is pure magic. This is the podcast that is going to help you capture children's interest and give you not only inspiration, but some real life strategies that are going to help you figure out how to use the outdoor space, your outdoor space, as a teaching tool so you can enlighten the playful learning experience for young children. Welcome to our Outdoor Classrooms community. Do you love nature-based children's books? Well, you are going to love my new freebie. It is a compilation of many of my favorite children's books put into a library PDF where it is sectioned off into the four types of gardens. Children's books are a wonderful place to find inspiration for any lesson. I invite you to explore my nature-based children's book library and get seeds of inspiration for outdoor learning. So you can choose one or more books to complement your existing curriculum or simply scan all the nature-based books in the library for inspiration. The choice is yours. Go check it out at www.outdoor-classrooms.com and you will see it on the homepage. I'm super excited to have Nicole Roma Thorell here, the CEO and Director of Education of the Institute of Wild Med. She is a recipient of the Massachusetts Award for Excellence in Science Education. Nicole is a passionate educator who loves turning people on to strategies for caring more skillfully for their fellow human beings. She has degrees in psychology and recreation therapy from the University of North Carolina and has been a wilderness EMT since 2001. Nicole has decades of experience working with many aspects of wilderness therapy, including expedition leader, health director, and director of admissions. Whether it was leading adventure on the water, on land, or in the air, Nicole has done it all. She has been an adventure racer, a raft guide, a high ropes facilitator, a clinician, for kids with autism, a Waldorf high school teacher, and most importantly, a mom. She is here to help us as nature-based educators and parents being out there in confidence in leading our children outdoors. So without further ado, Nicole Roma Thorell. Hello, we are here with Nicole Roma Thorell. And she is the head CEO of Wild Med, which is probably I don't know. For me, I think you are an amazing resource for nature-based educators in, ter- in terms of getting them to feel confident outdoors. And so I'm thrilled that she is here to tell us about her story and uh, all that she has to offer our community. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you so much, Victoria. It's great to be here, indeed. Great. So let's dive right in. And I would love to sort of get your backstory. I was uh, learning a little bit about you and what I don't, what brought you to Wild Med, but before you even 
Wild Med was a thought. Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. So as I was embarking on my education and career, I was drawn toward a field called recreation therapy. Not not a lot of people have heard of recreation therapy. My parents were quite skeptical, even at the time, wondering what it was that they were supporting. And I, there, there are a lot of directions one can go in that field. And I really gravitated toward wilderness therapy. So with my degrees in recreation therapy, as well as psychology, I really honed in on wilderness therapy. And in the setting that I, I chose to work in, I found myself in, we were working with kids who, they were awesome kids, and they really struggled with getting their needs met in ways that were healthy and productive and actually worked. And many of them struggled with depression and anxiety, um, early diagnoses of bipolar disorder. For many, substance abuse was something that they were working with and even self-harm for others. And as I began this work, it became really clear, not only if I'm going to be working in the backcountry with people, and we were we were pretty far out. I went to work once a month and I would stay for 16 days straight. So I was 16 on 24-7 and then 14 off. And so my initial thought was, wow, if I'm going to be in the backcountry, I should probably get some pretty advanced training. And then that really came uh, to the next level. The, the new statement was, wow, if I'm going to be working in the backcountry with people who are engaging in self-harming behaviors and may even choose to do so to get out of the program that they may not have been bought into yet. Ultimately, most kids did become bought in, but early on, that wasn't always the case. Wow, if I'm going to be working with kids who are at risk of hurting themselves in such a remote location, I better get some training. So that is when I became a wilderness EMT. And um, it's everything that you might imagine for a street EMT, the person you would call when you're having an emergency, but with advanced techniques for taking care of a patient when you're with them for a long time and the hospital is quite far away. And when you have to improvise tools and techniques, because you don't have all the equipment that you would have on an ambulance. Wow. So that is how I first became a wilderness EMT. That's very scary. (laughs) (laughs) And, but you were intrigued by this work. You were, you were, it it got you excited and, and, and you saw some obviously probably, some amazing strides with your students that you are working with because you are working in nature, which is. Yes, indeed. Indeed. I mean, and and really what uh, to, to veer a bit from the medical path that we were on, the nature-based work was really all that ever worked for these kids. These are kids who had been through individual therapy with psychotherapists, social workers, they'd done group therapy, they they tried medications. There were so many efforts that had been attempted, boarding schools, and nothing had worked until they came into the setting. And for so many of them, wilderness and nature provided consequences that they had never had to face before. Many came from families that um, weren't well equipped to provide consequences for various reasons and nature provided them. So Mm -hmm. if, for example, a student would be resistant to the work it takes to build a good shelter or resistant to putting on rain gear when it is suggested, nature will provide the consequences there. And we didn't have to engage with them in such a way to be authoritarian or a dictative, you know, mm-hmm. then, okay, 
you know, nature, <laughs> nature will speak. And so it kept us in really great relationship and rapport with the students that nature provided that. And um, yeah, and just incredible. Yeah, that's just one example of why nature works so well. I think many of the others, your audience is already intimately aware of, uh, for sure. It's just, it's just so, it's such an incredible marriage because I think that when you think CPR, you think, oh, you know, so many educators are like, oh, here we go again. We got to just get it. It's a drag. And and somehow you have made it (laughs) this exciting. I mean, people have talked about your courses that it's exciting and fun and amazing. But before we get there, there's a few other personal things I want to chat about. Adventure racer, raft guide, high ropes, clinician, Waldorf high school teacher. All of these things are part of your resume. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So adventure racer. Indeed. Uh, I used to live in Western North Carolina and I had a team of people that I raced with and adventure races are a combination of trail running, mountain biking, and some sort of watercraft, whether it's a canoe or a kayak or a Kevlar blow up kayak. And the last component is navigation. So one can't just be the biggest, strongest, fastest human on the course and win because you are with a team and you're with a team for the whole time. It's not a relay. You're there together and you must navigate using maps. And, and our teams were often most successful. Our team was often most successful because we worked really well together, listening to each other, supporting each other, working as a team. And we would often see these other teams that were way faster, way stronger than us who were not working well together because they were often in conflict, particularly over the navigation piece. So that was, that was our real edge was our teamwork and our care for each other and our ability to, to listen and support each other. So the way I see this is these are all ingredients that you have pulled. It seems to me that you've pulled into wild med. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell me some more. I was just going to say one of one of my favorite races that I ever did was out in British Columbia, and it was called the All Access Challenge. And each team had a person on the team. None of us knew each other. We were all brought together from all over the North America, and each team had a person on the team who was either a quadriplegic or paraplegic. And we had to navigate our way through the backcountry together. And on the earth, we also were in the air. There were traverses across the water where we were able to hook up their chair and traverse across the water. It was absolutely amazing. And everything from the location to the absolutely necessary teamwork. There's, there's, it's non-negotiable. You know, you must work together as a team to get this done. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was my favorite adventure race for sure. Um, Incredible. Yeah. So there were some retired engineers who developed the hardware. So they developed a chair that was, imagine a combination of a lawn chair and a wheelbarrow and a wheelchair. So a single wheel at the bottom, like a wheelbarrow and a lawn chair in uh, in it, uh, like a chase lounge in its orientation to the earth. And we, we, carried, not carried, but rolled our team through the backcountry on this amazing device. It's This was uh, back in the early 2000s. There are six, 
significant advancements in trail chairs now. (laughs) One of our instructors has um, a passion project that she does. She works for an organization called All Out Adventures, and they provide access to the backcountry um, for people who use wheelchairs or have various other um, physical disabilities. And when I told her about this race, she just couldn't believe the device that we used compared to what's available now. So all of this is conducive to your work now. I mean, I, I mean, to think that in all of the, these scenarios, you have you need first aid, you need what you're doing. So what brought you to WildMed? What? Yeah. So I was, I began teaching courses in wilderness therapy. Like, oh hey, the instructors need their credential updated. Hey, Nicole, you're a wilderness EMT. Can you do it? And I did while I was still working for these various organizations. And so it was the side gig. I became a health director of a wilderness therapy program and did that for a number of years. And again, in that role taught wilderness first aid, wilderness first responder courses to the field instructors. And it just, it it very organically grew. People would say, oh, I hear you teach people at local camps and boarding schools and nature-based preschools. Hey, I hear you teach. Could you come teach for our faculty, our staff, our instructors? And it just grew and grew and grew until I couldn't deny anymore that it had taken on a life of its own. Mm. It was something I identified as a side gig for a long time. And uh, that became uh, an illusion. It wasn't that anymore. It was indeed, it, uh, it had a life of its own. And after having children, the 16 on 14 off schedule no longer became, <laughs> as you can imagine. And that was the inspiration to really let it be what it was and, and continue to grow it um, effortfully instead of just organically. That's incredible. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about your the courses that you well yes. your mission? So I guess then yeah. it became it was organic, but then you really had to sort of think, okay, well I got to come up with a mission and some values and and yeah. really frame it and make it a real thing. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yes, for sure. So I think maybe I'll just just to tie up our previous conversation. Yeah. And also address what you're asking me. You know, you were saying like, these are all ingredients. These are all components. And you're right. And as you said that, it really caused me to think of, you know, why exactly? What's the bridge between all of those other experiences I've had and what I'm doing right now? And what really came to my mind first was stories. Mm -hmm. The way in which Wild Med teaches is through potent, well-curated, well-told stories of injury and illness in the field. And I came to those stories by way of these other adventures I've had in my life, be it through adventure racing or in wilderness therapy or working on high ropes courses or teaching Waldorf high school students And collecting and curating these stories is really a big part of who we are and what we do and how we do it and how we do it differently. So I just wanted to create that bridge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just even think at at a Waldorf High School and what that experience, that's just that itself could be all of these little stories can be its own episode. (laughs) It's incredible. (laughs) But how you how that changes the drab of 
oh, I got to take another CPR class. And then they're just citing through the script that they're given. And then everybody, everybody's sort of dead in the room. Exactly. I have and, had people tell me that they'd prefer a root canal yeah. to the CPR and first aid course that they had previously <laughs> taken with other yeah. instructors. I have literally had someone say that to us. Wow. Yes. yes. And yes, we, we seek for our classes to be highly engaging, highly experiential, hands-on, move your body, hear stories, share stories, learn tips and techniques that you will not learn in a conventional class. And yeah, just leave feeling really empowered and feeling a peace of mind when you set off on adventures. And that peace of mind comes from feeling prepared and confident. And yeah, that's, that's roughly our mission. I think, I think that's the, the, those two uh, words, prepared and confident, and that you don't have to sit through a root canal to feel, <laughs> to check off that box of, oh, I'm now prepared and confident. And I think your your brilliance of going, uh, approaching this through storytelling and and actually having this incredible yourself, putting yourself out there, taking risks. So then you can have those stories. So it's also a, a, an incredible lesson for all of us educators that are listening to take those lists. So you can, you all, you too can also create those stories. So I see it sort of twofold in terms of we need you to teach us so we can be more com- confident. So we can, we too can be out there. It's, it's pretty cool. So uh, can you tell us some of your courses that you are offering and how that all works for sure and yes and if I could sorry to go oh no I love it I love it I love it okay (laughs) what you were just saying really you know I had said that's almost our mission after I had last spoken and then once you spoke you really began to nail down what our mission is We believe that the most important work of our time is connection to ourselves, each other, and nature. And your audience, these are the people who are out there facilitating these these points of connection. And so we exist to prepare people to create these conditions of connection with our courses, Because if the nature-based leaders are feeling anxious about being in the outdoors, particularly leaders who have been, or teachers or leaders who have been indoors, and then they see the value and they take it outdoors, sometimes there is concern about safety, rightfully so. There's risk, to be sure. And so we believe that well, teaching these skills will actually prepare you to care for your participants from on a really more uh, ground level, but also it will create within you a feeling of confidence and relaxation that will mean what I was saying, these conditions of connection. There's fertile ground for the conditions of connection when you, as the nature-based educator or leader feel comfortable and confident out there. Because if you bring concern and anxiety, then the students or the participants will not drop in, if you will, as deeply into those points of connection. Mm-hmm. So that's really our mission. And you were just nailing, you, you nailed it. Yeah. Well, so, it's just, it's just 
it's it's a gift. What you're offering our community is a gift because there's we are now in a movement where we want to get more educators and maybe educators that never even thought about teaching outdoors. We want to get more and more educators teaching outdoors so more children can have access to outdoor classrooms or a forest school or whatever it is that we need to get. And, and the only the folks that are going to be taking them outdoors are the teachers. And they, in essence, need to feel like what you just said. They need to feel confident. They need to feel. But it, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. And But to introduce a different type of CPR and all the different classes, which we'll be talking about, to offer that as an uh, as an alternative to getting a root canal is <laughs> <laughs> is like no look we it it works and look and see it's proven and hear these incredible stories and it's actually going to be and I've talked to so many educators that when they actually have made the mindset shift oh I am going to be going teaching outdoors and they may have been teaching for years and years and years that they're there there's a revival in how they feel about their teaching and because there's this new confidence. So, and I feel like you bring that to us in such a different light. And I, I so appreciate what you do because uh, it's it's just fantastic. So I think the world should know what you're doing. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. And you are the other component to that as you are teaching people how to take their work outdoors. I mean, there's the yeah. full circle right there. Full circle. Such important work. Yes. Truly the most important work of our time. Undoubtedly. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, we're like, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Indeed. So tell us about your courses, okay. your what's happening, how it all works. Yes. So we teach CPR. We teach first aid, wilderness first aid. We teach uh, a course called Choke Saver, which is particularly particularly focused on choking and airway management, um, as well as issues that are commonly seen in food service provision. And we are very excited to share that in the new year, we are going to be offering mental health first aid, mm-hmm. as well as an instructor development course. So organizations can teach their very own wild med CPR first aid and wilderness first aid courses. That's fantastic. So where did that, where did your new courses, where does, where, how are the seeds planted? Where, where are you finding, are you finding the need? Are people asking you for it? Exactly. It is direct response to demand period. That's all I have to say. And so what do they say? What are they asking for? They're, they're help. Well, interesting. (laughs) Okay. So the instructor development course, that one's pretty straightforward. People are saying, I live in California. I loved taking your online course. And now I want all of my teachers to have that training. How can, how can I teach it? Mm -hmm. And so that people are just asking really straightforward. You know, I, I want to be able to do what you do. I want to be able to teach that to our faculty, our staff, and they want to customize the training for their particular site and Mm -hmm. hazards and risks that are specific to their site, whether it's wild parsnips or uh, poison ivy or poison oak or the slide that they built (laughs) off the treehouse or cold or hot or snakes. 
you know, so they, we, we offer a highly customized program, but they, they want to be the one to deliver it so they can be walking around and looking mm-hmm. at the hazards and talking about what's likely to happen at these various locations and what you're going to do about it. They right. also want to be able to debrief things that have gone wrong and they want to do so in a private way. They want to talk about the child who fell from that tree and broke their arm and mm-hmm. how the evacuation didn't go as smoothly as they would have liked. And they want privacy as they discuss risks and hazards specific to their site, as well as how it was managed well or could have been managed better. Mm-hmm. And so having an on-site instructor allows them to really dive in to that the case study work as well in a way that manages their public relations, if you will. So that one was pretty straightforward. Okay. The mental health first aid was not as straightforward. It was people asking me in my classes, just, I mean, it was just constant questions about how to support their patients' mental health during a crisis, when someone breaks an arm, when someone severely sprains an ankle, when there's major bleeding and their patient looks like they're going to pass out, how can they manage that sympathetic nervous response? Mm. So they didn't say, I need a course in this. They just said, I need to know, I need to know what to do and how to, how to care for the whole person, not just the ankle. I need to care for the shock that's going to ensue for the crying, for the instability, for, you know, I need to stabilize them mentally so they can participate in the evacuation or with some organizations, particularly I train a lot of college outing clubs, sporting schools, and summer camps. They're asking, what if I didn't know they had a history of an eating disorder? Mm -hmm. I didn't know they had history of anxiety or depression. And while we're on this week-long orientation trip in college, these things come forward and we're three days into the backcountry. How how can I, as a lay person, support someone in the throes of mental health crisis in such a remote location? And so, again, they weren't asking directly for the course, but they were asking, really demanding of me a much higher level of preparedness for caring for their whole patient, not just the broken parts of their body. Yeah, my daughter just was a uh, worked at the Epilepsy Foundation, and they have uh, epilepsy training, first aid training. Yeah, oh, specific for specific epilepsy. for epilepsy. Just a fascinating piece of well, what do you do if someone has epilepsy and they're on a trip or something? And so they're very specific. It, it wasn't. It was really understanding epilepsy and then sort of what to do if someone has a, a seizure. Interesting. That's great. I lo- then that's another example of places, organizations desiring really focused training for yes. who their participants are. Yes. And with epilepsy, certainly it's not, you know, it's the secondary issues. Mm-hmm. Where were they when they fell to the ground having a grand mal seizure? Was there right. head trauma? Is there bleeding that needs to be managed? What are the secondary injuries that come about? from right. seizure did they 
you know, have a petite mal seizure where, you know, they were, their balance was in question when it happened and they fell and what are the secondary issues. And then clearly with epilepsy, it's about myth, dispelling myths as well. Right. A lot right. of myths and how we help someone who is experiencing or has just experienced a seizure. Um, the myths of they're going to swallow their tongue and I right. need to put something in their mouth. None of those are true. They will not right. swallow their tongue. You don't need to put anything in their mouth. Yeah. It's just about protecting them as they're having the experience to make sure things don't get worse. And then engaging in a thorough assessment afterwards to, to uncover secondary issues and prioritizing them. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing. So a lot of your courses are they're online. They're also you also offer sort of a hybrid and you go visit, you still go. Oh yeah. Locally. <laughs> yes. Yes. So indeed you, you said it just right. We have all online courses and our online courses are a combination of self-directed online coursework, which are, are video, high quality videos that we recorded of the instructional portion portion. And then they culminate in a, uh, an online but synchronous or live skills lab where you are actually pumping and blowing on a mannequin. We can send mannequins all over the country. You are making tourniquets. We can also send uh, first aid supplies or you can improvise. We love improvised first aid supplies for sure. Yeah, you're controlling bleeding. You're making tourniquets. You're using EpiPens. You're pumping and blowing. So you're really hands-on even in the online portion. So again, the online is self-directed coursework plus the skills lab. And we have those courses for CPR first aid and wilderness first aid. The mental health first aid will follow. I need I need some time to really road test that in person and see what works really well and what needs to be adjusted before I make videos of that. Mm -hmm. So you can look for those in the next year. And then our, we teach in person. So fully in person, we will, we mostly do that in the Northeast, pretty much Maine to DC. So a little further out of the Northeast, but we will travel anywhere to teach in person. And then hybrid is right in the middle where students will take the self-directed online coursework for all of the instructional component. And then we get together in person and we do all of the experiential work. So it's nothing but hands-on skills, practice, and scenarios in person. So that's more and more organizations are opting for that. Not only is it a huge time saver for them, but people just are learning better in that fashion. They are learning yeah. better by taking the online coursework in small, digestible chunks, watching videos multiple times if needed. Doing it over the course of several days means better retention as opposed to the, the intensive flurry. And then having a day where it's nothing but moving your body and doing the skills. It, it really is the best of all worlds for retention and impact and learning. I love it. I just, because it's really also speaking to adult learners and how we learn as adults and uh, yes. the best way to do that. And it seems like you've just come up with the perfect recipe in terms. So it's just exciting. And I just, I want to thank you for, for all this incredible effort and organization. I mean, there's a lot of different parts to, uh, yes. but you make it look so fluid and professional and fun with combining all the stories. So it's, it's fantastic. 
Thank you. Thank you. And we have an awesome office manager. Molly is the best. She is our, (laughs) she's all things organization and automation and just clean and polished. She's awesome. a gift. She's been, it's been a gift to have her. Yeah. Fantastic. Is there anything else you'd like to share that you want to tell our community that we have not touched upon anything? You know, I would say it, it's interesting. I would, you had asked about our values and and really there are two that, that stand out so much to me. One is accessibility and one is inclusivity. And you really hit the accessibility piece in terms of, you know, that's how adult adults learn now. We talked about maximum retention and, and format. And I just want to add to that various learners, you know, with this model, we are able to reach people who process at different speeds, people who need to move their body um, more than others. Um, Just various learners are able to be met through these formats with the experiential approach and the visual approach and the audio approach and the kinesthetic Mm -hmm. approach. So accessibility and reaching as many learners as we can is a high value of ours. And then inclusivity. This is another piece that I think is really unique to us in the field. And that's, we really, we we believe that preparedness and confidence, as we started our, our talk discussing, is for everyone. And it's a privilege that everyone should be able to have to, to feel that when they walk out into the world. And so we want to be able to reach everyone. That's the accessibility piece. And we want everyone to be reflected in the teaching. So we want to talk about how to relieve choking for someone who's in a wheelchair Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about how to relieve choking when the person is way bigger than you are as the caregiver. We want to talk about what a person who has a lot of pigment in their skin looks like when they're in shock. All of the medical textbooks are written to describe shock as they will look pale, cool, and clammy. <laughs> well, not everyone mm-hmm. will look pale, cool, and clammy when they are experiencing shock. And so we want to talk about all bodies, trans bodies, people with more or less pigment in their skin, people who use wheelchairs to move their bodies around. It feels really important to us to center these often marginalized groups in the teaching so that we can care for everyone we encounter. And that feels it feels really important to us. And it honestly, it's not that hard to do. <laughs> you know, I'd love to say that we really corner because, you know, it's so hard to do it and we've really figured it out. It's really not. It's really not that hard to do. And yeah. everybody could be doing it and they're not. And um, I'm really proud that we do. And I hope more and more organizations do. And I'd be happy to be a resource any way I could to, I don't want this edge yeah. <laughs> on the market. Yeah. I want every, everybody to be riding this edge of the market. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So that, that feels really critical. And women, you know, this, the CPR, this is just, you know, to leave your audience with something to chuckle about. Hopefully this is <laughs> inappropriate. But the medical literature suggests that you know, compressions shall be performed on the intramammary line. That's the line between the nipples. Now, (laughs) we have nipples at various locations relative to our sternum. 
females do, those with breasts do. So, you know, this is just one example of if you just simply read that medical literature, you are told that you draw a line between the nipples and that's where you start pumping on the person. For some people, that might be true, particularly prepubescence. Um, and as we women grow, our nipples migrate to a location which would be inappropriate for doing compressions. <laughs> so, you know, we get to illuminate these things and we get to illuminate where the medical literature has left out parties um, that really need to be considered uh, for us to be able to provide great care to all of our fellow humans. Yeah. And, and you've done that and you are, and you are doing that. And it's just, it's a gift. It's a gift to our community, uh, the world of nature-based educators and parents uh, who are all taking their kiddos outdoors and to do it with confidence. I think it's not just exclusive to parent, to um, educators, but I also think we have, we have some parents in our community as well. And and that's a big, everybody should get CPR trained and everybody should get CPR trained by you. So I want to thank you so much for your time and your everything that you're doing it's just uh in- absolutely incredible you really truly are a unique gift to all of us and to think that it just was a side gig and <laughs> and now you are serving so many communities all over the country it's just exciting to be be a part of part of your wheelhouse uh, thank so you thank, thank you, you again and you too. I, I have a lot of respect and awe for what you do, supporting teachers and taking their work outdoors. What's more important? Right yeah. Now. Yeah. Thank you. Great. All right. It's been a pleasure. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us here at the Outdoor Classrooms podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with anybody who you think would enjoy it and follow us on Instagram. We'd love to continue the conversation. If you want to continue the conversation even deeper, please join us in the Circle community. The purpose of the Circle is to support, guide, and push you as you continually grow and sustain your outdoor classroom by providing the tools to help you set the right goals then actually follow through in achieving those goals with the support of our amazing community. Each month, 24-7, you get guidance and support from myself. You get to begin your journey with our new member roadmap. You get access to our outdoor teaching boot camp. You get to interact and learn from guest experts who are on our podcast. They come into our membership and join us to continue the conversations. You get to connect and collaborate during two live sessions a month. You get access to all our online workshops and masterclasses. You get get to dig deeper with our membership missions each month and you get to become an ambassador of joy for children. I hope you can join us at Outdoor Classroom. I will share the link in the show notes and we'll see you later. Come join us.